All right, turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me, uh, as you're turning there, I wanted to ask as we begin, uh, just that we would think for a minute as we get into the passage, uh, something we, we talked about briefly last week, um, but um, if you're in Christ, if you love Him, if you trust Him, um, why do you believe what you believe about Jesus? Why do you believe what you believe about Jesus? If you're in Christ, why? Why did you and why do you look at the word of the cross? We've been talking about the word of the cross, which is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why do you look at the word of the cross and see it as precious rather than foolish? It's not because you're just smart enough, right? It's not because the, the stars aligned in just the right way that, that it just happened and worked. That one day. It's not because you were born in the good old USA and this here is a Christian nation. That's not why, right? That's not why you believe. You and I believe because God being rich in mercy looked upon us in love and said, believe, live. He revealed himself to us through his Spirit. We talked a little bit about that last week and how God reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. But what, what does Paul mean? What does he mean here when he says he's revealed himself to us? He's revealed the wisdom of God to us through the Spirit. And how does that work? What's the work of the Holy Spirit in revealing the wisdom of God to us? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so... 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 10 through 16, finish out chapter 2 this morning. And if you would stand with me, follow along as I read, starting with verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that my speech, my message... This morning would not be implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of you, God. And that it would be for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, we left off at verse 10 last week. We talked about it briefly, and he starts off 
But that verse starts off, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. What are these things? We've talked about this. We kind of worked through this as we've gone through all of chapter 1 and half of chapter 2. We've talked about what these things are. These things are what? The wisdom of God. The word of the cross that he refers to in chapter 1, verse 18. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So these things, what no eye has seen, verse 9, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things, the word of the cross, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. God has revealed to us. Now, as we work through this, the first thing that we want to work at is who is us? Who is the us that Paul is referring to when he says these things, this wonderful wisdom of God, this word of the cross, which is folly to them and a treasure to us. Who's the us that he's talking about when he says it's been revealed to us? We don't have time to look into this as much last week, and so we're going to look at it this week. And it's important that we we understand what Paul is talking about here, because there's two ways to answer this. And in some level, both answers are right, but one is more right than the other. Because what Paul is referring to when he says these things have been revealed to us is us apostles. Most specifically here, God has revealed to us apostles through the Spirit. God used the apostles to give us the Scriptures. And so what Paul is saying is, we apostles who are imparting this to you, God has revealed what was hidden, what used to be hidden, what was hidden and secret. God has opened our minds and opened our hearts to understand so that we might impart to you the fullness of the gospel that was hidden hidden before this. God has revealed to us apostles through the Spirit. God used the apostles to give us, we who are sitting here, the Scriptures. He opened their eyes and minds to His wisdom, to the word of the cross that was previously hidden. And that's the main meaning here. And it's important for us to see as we study the Bible. Yes, Second Timothy, we're going to talk about this verse later on. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is profitable, right? But not every you... In Scripture means you. Every time you see the word you, it doesn't necessarily absolutely mean you. And so we have to be careful and study God's word and see what is the context of this. Because here Paul is first and foremost saying to the Corinthians and to us, look, God by his spirit has revealed these things to us so that we can impart them to you. Does that mean that the Spirit doesn't reveal it to us and that we're not any part whatsoever of the you? It doesn't mean that at all. The Spirit supernaturally revealed it to them and they wrote it. They spoke it. And now we read it and we hear it and he reveals it through the work he already did through the apostles. He illuminates it in our hearts. So he revealed it to the apostles and he reveals it to us but differently the spirit searches all things he says in that verse god has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything even the depths of god now we're going to get into that he's going to get more into that as we go into these verses but even from this verse what we can get is look this is from god's spirit and god 
God's Spirit knows God. The very depths of God, the Spirit searches those things and He understands and knows the depths of God. Therefore, what we're imparting to you has been given us to us by that Spirit and it is trustworthy. The words that have been given to us by the Spirit are trustworthy words. You can trust them because they're not from us, Paul says. They're from the Spirit and the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. He illustrates that in verse 11. He says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So what he's saying is, look, in your body you have a spirit. And no one knows you like that spirit. And so, for instance, if I have lunch with Kevin, okay? This is Kevin. I'm only going to know as much of... I can make judgments about Kevin. He's tall. Lure than me. I mean, I can make different judgments. He's dressed nicely. Okay, so I could go on and on about Kevin, right? But I'm only really going to know what's in the heart of Kevin by what he discloses to me. Likewise, if you meet with me and talk with me, you're only going to know the things about me that I disclose to you. I know the secret things. I know the secret things in my heart. You don't know those things. You only know what I disclose to you. And what Paul is saying is, look, we have the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit that has searched the depths of God has disclosed to us the truth of the gospel. He has given us, revealed to us what once was hidden. And now you can trust the things that we're saying because who knows the mind of God more than the Spirit of God? No one. Only the Spirit knows the mind of God. And He has given and entrusted these wonderful wonderful things to us to impart to you. You can trust it. You can trust it. What he has revealed is trustworthy and complete and accurate. He goes on now. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now this again, just stop and think for for a minute what Paul is saying here. We have been given, just imagine, we've been given, this spirit that we're talking about, the spirit who searches everything, even the depths of God, who, who, who knows the thoughts of God, who comprehends the thoughts of God. We have been given that spirit, not a spirit from the world, not a lesser spirit, not a secondary spirit. We have been we have received the Holy Spirit who is from God. The very spirit who searches and knows the mind of God, we've received that spirit, Paul says. So that. We might understand the things freely given us by God so that we can have understanding of these things so that we we can comprehend we can understand so that there's light that has been shined on these truths that have been hidden we now see and understand them not because of us not because of our wisdom but only because of the Holy Spirit now how again first through the work of the Spirit through the apostles he's he's speaking here of the inspiration of Scripture 
The scriptures are inspired by God through the spirit. They're literally spoken, breathed out by God. Go to go to second Peter. Where Peter says something similar to what Paul is saying here in second Peter chapter one. Verses 20 and 21, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. The claim is made over and over and over and over again. But Peter deals with it here, inspired by the spirit, telling us that's not the case. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is referring to here. And especially as we get into this next verse where he says, we're imparting those things to you. Paul's saying, look, we received the Spirit and the Spirit, just like Jesus promised when he gathered with them in the upper room and taught them, just as he promised and said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be better for you that I go because you're going to receive him. And when you receive, when you receive the Spirit, he's going to help you. He's going to help you remember all of these things that I've taught you, all of these things that I've said to you. He's going to help you so that you can be my witnesses. We've received that spirit and we are imparting to you the words that the spirit has revealed to us. God has revealed to us through the spirit. Back up a little bit to second Timothy. Chapter three, verse 16. Where Paul says to Timothy. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We have received the Spirit who is from God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. We have received the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And what we impart to you is breathed out by God. Not just by us. It's not our own interpretations. Not what we're coming up with. It's God breathing it through us by the power of his spirit. These things have been freely given to us, Paul says. What was hidden is now revealed freely. The gospel, the word of the cross, it's trustworthy and it's precious. And so first, we've been given the spirit through the work of the spirit through the apostles. But secondly, in us... The Spirit helps us now as we have received the Spirit to understand those things. He illuminates those things to us. He guides us and directs us and helps us in that. And so Paul says in verse 13, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. We impart this wisdom of God given to us by the Spirit of God in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The apostles then, once the, the Spirit revealed those things to them, they wrote and they taught the things revealed to them. They imparted those things to the Corinthians and to the Ephesians and down the line 2,000 years later to us. Think of Jesus after his resurrection when he met with the disciples. He appears to the disciples and in Luke 24 
Starting with verse 44, it says, Then he said, Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The wonderful picture of what he's explaining here of how the Lord opened their minds, opened their eyes, gave them understanding through the power of the Spirit to understand these precious things that are foolishness to the perishing. And he says, we now impart these things to you, spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The apostles are imparting this truth to spiritual people. We know from what Paul has said, spiritual people are those who are led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The beauty of this is we talk about the work of the Spirit and in giving us the Word and the work of the Spirit and revealing the wisdom of God to the apostles is the Spirit has been given to us. It's not this, this weird outward phenomenon that makes an eerie appearance and makes us believe and gives us understanding and then leaves. Remember, as we went through Ephesians 1 in verse 13, it says, And you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were given the Holy Spirit inside of you, the same Spirit that Paul says enlightened us and revealed to us these truths so that we could impart them faithfully and trustworthily to you. You've been given that Spirit. The same spirit is in you, dwells in you. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8, 9, if that spirit does not dwell in you, then you're not in Christ. And that spirit has been given to us. So the spirit in its work is not just some outward thing that worked in the apostles. It's in us now. So he says the spiritual truths are imparted to spiritual people and when he says that he means to believers those led and empowered by the holy spirit verse 14 the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god for they are folly to him and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned this is important because we talked about through this first two chapters of how the word of the cross is folly. And those who are natural people, those who are, are not in Christ, don't understand. They can't understand those things. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean when he says here that, that he's not able to understand? He doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? When, when he describes that work of the Spirit and how the unspiritual man is not able to understand, he, he's not saying that unbelievers are, are stupid and they can't comprehend and, and learn and study and, and even be able to communicate to you what the gospel is. He's not saying that, that a person who's unspiritual can't learn the gospel and even defend the gospel and even explain the gospel, even preach the gospel. He's not saying that. What he's saying is the work of the Spirit is this. When the gospel is seen and understood and then treasured, seen as precious, what he means is they don't see it as valuable. They dismiss it as foolishness. They understand. If you go to an unbeliever and explain to them, look, 
God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, and man fell. And, and in his fallen state, he separated from fellowship with God, and something had to be done because nothing in us can manufacture a righteousness that would get us to God. And God is holy, and we are not holy. We are sinful people, and so something had to be done. And God became man. He came to earth and lived a perfect life and laid his life down to be punished for the sins that we committed. And then he died, and in his death, he was dead for three days, and he rose again and conquered sin and death. And he says this, if we just believe in him, trust in him, we'll be forgiven and have all of our sins taken away, and his righteousness will be credited to our account. It's not that an unbeliever can hear that and say, I don't understand what you mean. What it means is they they hear that and they dismiss it and say, that's foolishness. That's not precious to me. I don't need that. And the work of the Spirit in us is what wells up inside of us and says, that's precious. I believe. I desire that. I need that. That's truth. What you're saying is truth. I'm lost without Christ. So he's not saying they can't understand it. Likewise, it's not saying that we get the spirit and we don't need to apply ourselves to learning and to studying. The spirit helps us. The spirit helps us see the gospel as valuable. It helps us to see our helplessness and the all sufficiency and beauty of Christ crucified. The natural man sees it and says, I don't need that. I don't want that. But the spiritual man sees it and says, I die without it. But that doesn't mean we don't need to study anymore. It doesn't mean that we get the Holy Spirit and then, and then we just do the flip method of study. Lord, what do you want to say to me today? I don't know what to study. Where do you? Okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me? In the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord are the elders coming to my house today, Lord? Is that what you're saying? Okay, I'll clean my house today, Lord. That's what you're telling me right now. I know now I'm being led by the... That's foolishness. It doesn't mean we don't apply ourselves to God's word and study. In fact, John Piper says this, the work of the Spirit is not to tell us what the Bible means. That we must determine by a disciplined study of the text. The Spirit inspired these writings and He does not short-circuit them by whispering in our ear what they mean. When we pray for His help, we do not pray that He will spare us the hard work of rigorous reading and reflection. What we pray is that He would make us humble enough to welcome the truth. The work of the Spirit in helping us grasp the meaning of Christ's manual of operation is not to make study unnecessary, but to make us radically open to receive what our study turns up, instead of twisting the text to justify our unwillingness to accept it. You know, the flip method is a funny example, except for the fact that it's done all the time by people who say they love the Lord. I have the Holy Spirit. He'll just illuminate. He'll show me what the text means. And so, boom, I take a text. Well, it must mean this. God, I feel like the Lord's telling me that it means this. Well, how about we study and find out what it means? Because he told us. And then ask him, Lord, I know my flesh and I might not be okay in my flesh with what I find out that this means. Would you make me okay with that? 
Would you help me to embrace and accept the hard, difficult things of the word that you've given? Would you give me a heart that says, Jesus, you're more precious than anything on this earth. And if this is uncomfortable, Lord, would you give me a heart by your spirit that says, yes, yes, yes. It's difficult, but I believe what you have told us here in your word. That's the help of the spirit in our lives. And we need it. We're desperate for it. The Bible doesn't replace the Holy Spirit either. He's our helper. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what Paul's saying here is that the great work of the Spirit here that is referred to in this passage is in the revealing of the wisdom of God to the apostles through the Word of God. He wrote God's Word down for us, and the Spirit reveals His Word now by giving a heart that says, Yes. The Bible reveals what no eye has seen, nor nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. And the Spirit helps us say, yes, yes, that is precious. He goes on in verse 15 and says, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. This is a great example of what I was just talking about, where people will take a verse out of context and use it wrongly. Well, this is what the Spirit has said, and, and so... What does this verse mean? The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. It's interesting. And what it means is this. The spiritual person approves. That's the word judges there. Approves all things of the spirit that he hears taught by the apostles in this context or reads in their writings. But he himself is judged by no one. That is, no natural person approves the faith and life of the spiritual man. In context, that makes total sense with what what Paul is saying here. But this verse is lifted out and said, you can't judge me. The Bible says you can't judge me. So you have your opinions. These are my opinions. The Spirit led me in these things. You can't judge me in those things. We're going to find out as we go through 1 Corinthians. That's dead wrong. It's wrong. We, we, we're the temple of God. And what we're going to find out as we get to the end of chapter 3 is we are the temple of God. As the people of God, we are the temple of God. And we, we need, we need each other, brothers and sisters who are coming along beside us and saying, that doesn't look right. I see this in your life and it just doesn't look consistent with God's word. And I want to come alongside of you, not as critical and judgmental standing back here, but beside you. I want to walk beside you and, 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 and help you through this process because this doesn't fit with God's word. It just doesn't look right. We need people like that. We need people who are making judgments about the way that we're following Christ. And lovingly coming alongside of us and saying, I want to walk with you in this because this is inconsistent. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Who has understood? That's quoting Isaiah 40, verse 3. Who has understood the mind of the Lord? No one except for Christ, the Spirit. And we have the mind of Christ. We've been given the spirit and he has changed our pride into submission and we desire the glory of God and we see the cross as the very wisdom and power of God. We have the mind of Christ. 
These things were hidden. These things were secret. And God, in His love and, and, and mercy, opened our eyes and revealed them to us through the power of His Spirit. And now we see these things as precious. We have the mind of Christ. I'm excited for you for next week. Um, a friend of mine is going to be coming and, and preaching. One of the elders from Cornerstone see me. And he's going to be taking this to the next step. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it mean to have the Spirit inside us and walk by the Spirit? I'm, I'm looking forward. I've heard the message and excited for me and for you next week. And so we're going to take this the next step. But what do we do with this this morning? What do we do with this? Two things. I think we need to mention, first of all, if natural man can't understand, we're going through this and it says the natural man can't understand. If that's true, if he's blind and the Spirit gives insight and wisdom, if the Spirit reveals that, then isn't, isn't the natural man innocent if he's blind? No. He is blind and he is blameworthy. The words he is not able in verse 14 don't remove moral accountability. He's, he's responsible to receive and trust in the word of the cross because what is holding him back from that is his own pride. And pride doesn't remove accountability. Romans one twenty. if you go to Romans one twenty, it shows that he and I and you should look at creation. We should look at the mountains, the grass, the sun, the moon, the countless stars, and realize that we aren't really very great. We're not really very big at all. And we ought to humble ourselves and seek the one to whom this creation is shouting, Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. He's not innocent. His pride makes him guilty. It's his pride that keeps him from coming and saying, It's you, Lord. You're everything. I want to humble myself and come before you and trust you for salvation. The second thing is this. One of the things that we should learn from this is that as we study and pray about being better at evangelizing, and if you're plugged into a life group, you're going through the study uh, with Mark Dever and, and our life groups on, on the gospel and personal evangelism, as we pray about that, as we study about that, about imparting this wisdom to those around us, we can, as followers of Christ, make the gospel more understandable, but we cannot make it understood. That is the work of the Spirit. And just as Michael said two weeks ago, and, and I reminded last week, be imparters of wisdom, but trust the Spirit to do in others what it did in you. We can work and be diligent and study the Bible and study the gospel and preach the gospel to ourselves and learn what is this precious gospel that the, the Spirit has opened my eyes to. We can study that and embrace it and know it and know it so well that in our communication of it, we make it understandable. We make it simple to understand, but we can't make it understood and so we come before God who is holy and loving and merciful and we beg Him to do with us who are weak vessels empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit what only He can do as we proclaim and impart the wisdom of God. The Spirit makes it understood and we should strive to proclaim it and display it in a way that is understandable. 
Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for truth. Thank you, thank you that you have, even in this passage, shown us that it's trustworthy. It's not from men. It's not from Paul. It's not from Peter. It's not from John. It's not from Luke. It's from you, from your spirit. And therefore, it is trustworthy. And so we stand amazed not at anything that we can do or say. We stand amazed at you, God. That in your love and in your mercy that you would reveal that to us. That you would shine in our hearts. That we would see the gospel that many call foolishness. They call it folly. And and you would put it in our hearts to see it. And to know that it is precious. God, help us be people who live as those who see the gospel as precious. God, I love you and I thank you for your word. It is truth. I thank you for these people who are here. I pray that you would work in our hearts for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.